Hello and welcome to the High Ticket Offer. If you're a service-based business owner, this is the podcast for you. Whether you're an agency owner, coach, consultant, or other B2B leader, we're featuring actionable advice and practical tips for scaling to seven figures with premium pricing and right fit clients. Today's guest owns seven businesses that have generated over $1 billion collectively for over a thousand clients, including major brands and Fortune 100 companies like Target, Time Magazine, and American Express. His mission is to employ over 200,000 people and revolutionize the way we reward good talent. I'm joined by David Valentine, of course, CEO of Dream Agency Quest and Avidel Agency. Dave, welcome to the High Ticket Offer. Noah, thanks for having me, brother. I'm super pumped to be here, man. I'm pumped to have you, Dave. You know, we have a lot of agency owners uh, tuning into the podcast. I operate in the agency world. I have for my entire professional career, and I love this space. And uh, you also operate in this space. So we'll definitely dive into a lot of um, a lot of subjects that are near and dear to the agency owner's heart. Or, you know, maybe we have a director of client services or somebody else uh, on the team at an agency that can benefit from our conversation. But Dave, why don't you just take us, let's hop in a time machine and Take us back in time to, you know, how you entered the agency world. Uh, and then, of course, how that led to what you're doing today. Yeah. Yeah. So I when I was in college, I, I knew that I was, you know, kind of wanted to do something in the creative field. So I I started out in an internship where I was doing video editing and I was uh, doing website design and some development. And I also uh, was running social media platforms for this tiny company. And it's funny, I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, I was running Friendster in MySpace. And I had a, uh, a young staff member go, what's Friendster? <laughs> <laughs> and then I really blew their mind when I said, yeah, when I was texting in tweets and they're like, you did what? I said, yeah, well, back in the day, unless you were like on the website, you had to text it in from your phone. And just mine was blown, you know, crazy thought. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, so I kind of got my start there and I decided, Hey, I want to go start my own company at the age of 25. So I started my first agency, had no idea what I was doing. I knew how to do marketing. I knew how to do my skill set, but I know how to go get a client, how to talk to a client, all that stuff. That's really important. Yeah. <laughs> how do you run P and L's? How do you hire staff? You know, things like that details. Yeah. Um, and I think that's most agency owners, you know, they're, they're great practitioners of their craft but it's a totally different thing to uh, really engage with how do you run the, the company. Yeah. And so anyway, so I, I started that first agency and I started building it up to a uh, million dollars in revenue yeah. uh, by the time I was 29 and um, basically killed myself to get there. You know, I did what most high ticket agency owners or business coaches or whatever do. I networked my way to a seven figure business. And most people don't know, uh, Noah, that um, that only 7% of any business, 7% of all businesses in the U.S., only 7% do a million ever, mm. ever. And only 3% of agencies do a million. So here I was, this exceptionally successful guy, yeah. and I was killing myself at the age of 29. My doc was just like, hey, uh, you're the most stressed out person we've ever tested. Um, and if you don't stop, you're going to die before you hit 40. 
So I had to figure out how to change how I was running my company. Um, fast forward, uh, 2019, I, I sold that company as a digital ad agency, started an SDR firm. And then now I, I own three different agencies, two software companies. I consult with agency owners through the Dream Agency Quest and do a mastermind group there. And then I also own a, a flight school with my brother outside of Fort Worth, Texas. So it's a uh, it's fun time, man. Oh, I love it. So I'd, I'd love to unpack that first journey, Dave. So, you know, you networked your way to a million dollars as an agency owner between ages 25 to 29. That's super impressive and very difficult to achieve. What was your mindset during that period? You know, like like what was driving you? How did you get into that situation that you were in where you were very successful uh, on the surface, but, you know, emotionally and mentally, it was not sustainable? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, Noah. Um, so um, a month before we officially launched the first agency, my wife and I found out that we were pregnant with our first child. And I went, well, now I have to make this thing work, you know? And I was determined to prove to myself that I could do it. Determined. And uh, I was like, this will happen. I will be able to do this. I will get it, get it accomplished. And I just worked myself into the ground because I wasn't working real smart. Yeah, I was just working really hard. And so I, it was a, a thing that I'd been told as a kid man, where like I, I played sports growing up. I played football, soccer, baseball, weightlifting, track. I did pole vaulting. And my coaches kind of had like a common saying for me, which was you'll never outwork Dave. So I was the guy that would be in the gym longer. I'd be running harder. I'd be running longer, whatever it was. And so I took that same mentality towards business. I was just like, no one's going to outwork me, which sounds great until you're trying to work and work and work, you're putting, you're telling yourself stories about what it is that you're doing. And some of the yeah. stories that I told myself was, um, if you're not successful, then you're not a good person. You're not worthy. You're not whatever. Um, and so I just kept pushing myself. There's a lot of unhealth. Um, and I, I got to this point when, uh, when that thing happened at 29, where my, um, my days would kind of look like this. I, I would start in the morning. I wouldn't work out. I didn't meditate. Uh, I didn't do any self-care practice. I drink a pot of coffee by myself a day, sometimes more. Yeah. And I literally think, okay, I'm going to work from seven until two or three. I'm going to switch from drinking coffee to drinking beer. And that's going to be my creative time from like three to six, maybe three to seven. And in that time, what I would do is I'd drink coffee and I'd drink beer and then I'd drink enough beer to help myself go to sleep because wow. I was so wigged out. You know, it was just, it was, I mean, I was totally jacking myself up. Yeah. Um, but I was going to multiple networking events every week. Um, I was sending out cold emails to people, but it wasn't through an automation. It was all like very custom. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was an incredible amount of work. I would, I would make deals with clients where I'd say, Hey, listen, this is how we got one of my, my first clients. I said, Hey man, um, I'll do work for you. I'd love to, here's what it looked like. And they said, well, we don't have any, it was a brewery. They go, we don't have any money. I was like, okay, 
what do you have? And they're like, I could give you beer. So I worked for beer. And then what I would do, Noah, is every time I went to a, and this is true, every time I went to a, a networking event, if I had a great conversation, I'd be like, dude, I got some beer for you. And it's like in the large format, these bombers. And so I'd like hand it out. So I gained so many clients oh, by leveraging the brilliant. beer that I got. It was a great move. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, like if you're networking all the time, if you're like, hey, you know, I, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, I, I got to wake up at uh, five tomorrow because I've got a coffee meeting at six and it's 30 minutes away. So I'm going to wake up, shower real quick, throw on some clothes and go. And then I'm just going to be at the office. And so, you know, it was just burning the candle on both ends. Wow. And I really bought into the idea of uh, hustle culture, which I now adamantly fight against. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of it, man. Man, I, thanks for sharing. I, and I love that this is a part of your message, Dave, to agency owners is, um, is, and thank you for the transparency and sharing your story because that is so many people's uh, reality, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that they're not doing well. Um, so yeah, I love that you shared that. And I'd love to dive in to Dream Agency Quest. So you know the agency journey. And I'd, yeah. I'd love it if you could just, you know, share a little bit about the work you're doing over there. Yeah. So I, after 2019, when I sold my first agency, I started to consult with, I had agency owners who were coming to me. They're like, how did you do that? How are you, how are you doing what you're doing? You're, Cause I was, I was building up an, another agency again, and it was already doing over a hundred thousand dollars a month within a few months of switching over. And they're like, how did, what do you, how do you do this? You know? Yeah. And so as I was consulting with these agency owners, the same situations kept coming up over and over again. The same conversations kept coming up over and over again. And consulting to do a one-on-one -on -one time with me is expensive. And so I just had three or four agency owners in the span of a couple months just go, you know, Dave, you should really create a program. You should really just teach people how you do everything that you do because you still own agencies. You're still doing it. Yeah. So I went, well, that's true. Because one of my favorite things to say, Noah, is I will never give advice that I don't follow myself. So if I'm doing it, I'm telling you about it, man. I'm telling you how I do it. I'm telling you why I do it. And if I'm not doing it, I don't recommend it. So I put together the Dream Agency Quest because agency owners are always struggling to find freedom. They want money, which is great. And money can certainly allow you some freedom. But most agency owners are working 60 plus hours a week or more. And they're doing it every week. And so I just went, okay, what are the things that they would need to do to become a hands-off agency owner? Mm. Where they could, they could literally be on a beach drinking a margarita, completely relaxed, and they could say, oh man, we signed a new client this week. We got great client results this week. I, we don't have any client issues and I can keep hanging out. So what I did was I put together a program that doesn't just teach you how to do lead generation. That's part of it. it doesn't just teach you how I do sales. That's part of it. But it teaches agency owners how to put operating systems in place how to hire operators and train them so that they can have more freedom. Because, you know, the thing is, man, you can always make more money. Yeah. You can never make more time. Mm. It's the one finite resource that we have. 
And so you, you need to enjoy your life. And so that's why I created the Dream Agency Quest is it allows agency owners to go through not just a mastermind where we're talking with people and building community. It's not just e-courses where I show people exactly what we do to grow our agencies. Yeah. It's not just summits that they get to attend as well. It's everything all in one spot. And I've, I've got great friends and people that I very much admire that are working in the agency space like Drew McClellan, yeah. um, Brent Weaver, um, Jason Swank. These are all people that I really love and I think they're doing a great job. Mady Ellefson. Um, I just wanted to give my flavor of what to do and show people, hey, this is what I'm doing right now to grow my agencies, which is a little bit different than what those other people are talking about. And so it's uh, it's a fresher take, in my opinion, yeah. but uh, I do love all their programs as well, and, and I highly recommend them. Right on, right on. No, I, I absolutely love that. And then tell us, Dave, can I introduce this to your other, to your agency, Avidel? Yeah, so Avidel is a one-to-one marketing agency. Are you familiar with that that phrase, Noah? I am, but but I'd love it if okay. you could explain it for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so for a long time, Avidel was an SDR agency. So sales development rep, we were booking meetings through cold email and cold outbound uh, direct mail. And that was great in 2019. It was how I scaled up my first agency. Yeah. And then uh, we started to see that it was not working. We were actually using LinkedIn in, in 2019 and 2020. Sure. But in 2020, we started to see diminishing returns on LinkedIn because it became a spot when people aren't going to networking events, they needed somewhere to network online. So it became just a spot where lead generation was happening, which is fine. There were no conferences. There was nothing else, but we stopped using that as a service for our clients. Then in last year, when the war in Ukraine happened, um, there were a lot of cyber attacks that Russia was Mm. committing towards different companies. And so they were clamping down on email deliverability, which led to, lessening results for clients. And then Google had some new updates like they always do for everything that they're up to uh, that continued to decline email results. And so what we started to do was a a product that I, something that I have done for years, uh, which is instead of doing this scattershot shotgun style marketing approach, we're like, hey, we have, we help people get onto podcasts, you know, right. can we put you on podcasts? And sometimes they're like, Hey, yeah, we were just talking about that last week. We'd love to one-to-one is going, okay, who's a dream client for you, Noah? Okay. Your dream client is Disney. Sure. Cool. Uh, what do you want to do with Disney? And so we'd talk through all that stuff and then we'd say, okay, so we think that these five people at Disney are probably the right people to talk to. And we have people on our staff that they go in, they're people that work at Avidel. We say that up front. It doesn't look like they're somebody else. It looks like just like them. And they go and they interact with their content. And it's not like liking things and following them. It's liking things, following them, commenting thoughtfully about their stuff on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, even Facebook. And then seeing some other spaces where we can be thoughtful. So, Hey, um, maybe they talk about sports and the, the person that's reaching out to them, that's following them, maybe they're into sports. Hey, I saw that you, um, you know, really are into the New York Jets. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers moving there? Are you excited about the next year? 
in the comments. Well, then what ends up happening is they go, okay, who is this guy? Who is this woman? Who, what are they up to? <laughs> and then eventually what ends up happening, Noah, is we get to say, hey, listen, I've got a client that I, I think could really help you. Could I connect you guys? Mm. So it's exceptionally transparent. There's no smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It's all real person, real places, real time. They feel seen, the prospect does, the yeah. person that we're trying to get to meet with our client, and we have a connection now to them that's permanent. And we continue to engage with that person over time. We follow back around. Hey, how was the call with Noah? Well, how, you know, what did you guys talk about? Was it any good? Is there ways that you can help? And then we start to build these really cool relationships, man, where we start to have these connections in some of these really big companies. And now they come to us and they go, um, hey, whoever they're talking to on my team. Hey, Derek. Well, that's a guy that's on my team. Hey, Derek, I need somebody to help me with uh, some digital advertising. Do you, do you know of a good agency? Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I've got three or four that work that are clients of ours. What are you looking to do? Because they all have different specialties. What specifically are you, are you trying to accomplish? Oh, you know what? Here, we should talk to these two agencies. Let's make that happen. And so it's a really fun, exciting way to book meetings that is personal and has really high conversion rates, man. That's fascinating. That's that's incredible. So is social media the primary like vernacular that you uh, interact with potential clients to get uh, sales meetings on the calendar for your clients? It's become that. Yeah, yeah. it's become that. And, and then the other thing that we've done too, Noah, is thoughtful gift giving. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not talking about swag. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> no, we're going to give something that's cool. That's going to be meaningful to this person. So for instance, we're trying to book this meeting. We're following this, uh, this woman on social media. She posts that her son's birthday is coming up. And we said, Hey, you know, we'd been interacting with her for a couple months. Hey, we'd love to buy your son a birthday gift. Would that be weird or would that be okay? We're just being humans. Right. Yeah. And so she goes, no, that'd be amazing. And we said, well, hey, does does he have like an Amazon wish list or does he have something that he wants? And she goes, yeah. And he, she sent over an Amazon wish list. We spent on we spent uh, money that we get paid for by our clients. We usually earmark about a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks a month on gifts. So we spent one hundred and fifty bucks in gifts for this. Her son sent it over to him. And she was like, oh, my word. I've never received something so generous ever. What, who are you yeah. and what are you selling? Like, what, what are you guys doing? Like, wh wh I, I want to do something to help you yeah. because this was so cool. I've never had anyone do that. And so it's, it's just having the thought of being like human and building those relationships. So that's, uh, that's the other method that we use is we give legitimately fun, entertaining gifts. Man, I, that's that's fascinating, uh, Dave. And I love outbound. I love outreach. I've always worked in that world. And it's interesting, right? Because like probably about 10 years ago, a little less, a little more, you know, it was like LinkedIn was the thing, as you mentioned, right? Everybody was yep. like LinkedIn Legion, LinkedIn Legion. And now um, a, a lot of people are doing, uh, you know, like B2B podcasting, which I'm a huge fan of. I've used it successfully. I help people in that space. But what you're doing is just so um, is so unique. I'm in, So this is a strategy that you crafted and it's how you scaled your own agency to a million dollars in four years. 
Yeah, I mean, this was something that, you know, I, I used to do things like I found, so there was a roofing company that I really wanted to work with. Yeah. Uh, they were doing about 10 million in revenue and I knew that they were spending well over half a million a year in advertising. And I followed the guy on social media. I interacted with the owner. I interacted with his stuff. And I knew that he was an outdoorsman. And so, you know, one of the things that he was talking about was he, he said, you know, I, I love going out. And he, he posted this photo of an igloo cooler. This was years ago, right? This is a long time ago. He posted a photo of an igloo cooler in the back of his uh, side-by-side. And I went, you know what, man? I'm going to buy him a, a Yeti like a Yeti cooler. And they were like 400, 500 bucks at the time. Yeah. And I got them like the big one. And so I, I, I did what I do right now. I said, Hey man, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to send you a gift. Now everyone goes, you spent 500 bucks. We didn't have any money. Like it was, we were small. And I was like, yeah, I did. And I sent him the cooler and I put a note on top and I said, and I put a padlock on it. I said, Hey man, I want to give you this cooler. All I ask in return is that you have lunch with me. If you go have lunch with me, I'll bring the the key. And he thought that was the funniest, clever, uh, most clever idea ever, man. (laughs) And we had lunch and he was a client for years. I mean, through when I sold the agency and and he was just super nice guy. And we were making tons of cash off him every single year. But he was loyal because I did something that was meaningful. Yeah, that he I mean, he told me he's like, dude, I've always wanted one of these coolers, but I was never going to spend that kind of money on a cooler. But you got that for me. That's super cool. And so, yeah, it's just being thoughtful, man. I love it. I love it. So, Dave, I'd love to unpack, like, why does this work? You know, why does your strategy work? (laughs) I I think that it's working better now than it's ever worked. And I my hypothesis is it's working better now because as the world goes towards AI, towards automation, towards non-human connection, even this, like you think about remote work, we don't, we don't see people anymore. We're longing for someone to see us, Mm. to be seen. So I think that there's a new wave coming of, Hey, you want to sell to me? Great. Then know me. Mm. And if you know me, then you're going to be at least in the acquaintance circle of my friend group. Doesn't mean you have to be a friend, but you're at least going to know about me. You're going to care about me and you're going to do something for me. And I I think that that's, that's really what works. I think the other thing too, Noah, is when you're brutally transparent, like I have been on this podcast, (laughs) people, people pick up on it. They can feel it from a mile away. And when we tell people, when we're, when my staff's connecting and they say, Hey, I'm a lead connector uh, at Avidel and I have a client that I want to connect you with. How much more transparent can you be? How much more honest can you be instead of going, yeah, my name's Susie and I work at this place and da, da, da. And it's like, you looked at the LinkedIn profile and she's only ever worked at one place. She's got like 12 <laughs> connections, right. you know, right. and it's like, this is clearly not a real person uh they set this account up to be fictitious and i just think that it's i think it's something that we're all longing for you know it's it's something that's different unique refreshing what is um what is your mission dave like you know i i read 
kind of an intro to today's podcast and you've had a lot of success. You've been in this agency space. Um, you obviously provide tremendous value to your clients by generating them results. Um, but, but what is your mission? I'd love to unpack that, you know, with Avidel, with dream agency quest and with your other businesses. Yeah. I want to change the way that we work. Uh, because one of the, I just gave a, a TEDx talk in Cleveland um, a couple weeks ago, Noah, and my my talk was about conscious capitalism and ethical entrepreneurship. And in it, one of the things that I talked about was we, there are a lot of people that I speak with that when I say I own seven companies, I get one of two responses 99% of the time. And one response goes, wow, that's amazing. How do you do that? Yeah. And the second response is, you're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I and, I and I laugh at the second one a lot. And I go, okay, well, what do you mean? And they say, well, you know, businesses and business ownership they're just taking more and more for themselves and they're not distributing the wealth to other people. And I say, yeah. And they go, I don't like that. And I go, I don't like that either. Mm. And they go, wait, huh? I say, yeah, well, we have a policy for all seven of our companies. The highest paid employee cannot make more than five times what the lowest paid employee makes. Mm. So if you want to make more, that's beautiful. I love it if if my you know co-owners or highly paid employees they want to make more money. I love it. And I say, we just got to give a bump to the lowest paid person. And so when you start to build businesses in such a way, and we need more of this, where you think I'm gonna I'm here to improve the lives of my employees, not just make it all about me, you really start to build loyalty and you start to change the way that we do things. And so I've talked with a number of parents. They're like, yeah, I wish I could have had paid time off. Um, a lot of times dads or people that adopt a kid or, or whatever, uh, a non-parent that isn't giving birth, they're like, I didn't get any paid time off. And even if you are the, the, the uh, parent that's giving birth, honestly, you're, there's no federal law that says you have to be paid for compensation for that. It's just that you get to take three months of unpaid time which is crazy. Most people can't afford three months of unpaid time. Right. So my my charge to, to business owners is we need to start to change the way that work happens. The government's not going to do it. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, and so it's really my, my goal and my dream and the thing that I'm working towards, my mission is to change the way that we work. And, and we're doing that through Dream Agency Quest. Uh, in a very big way. We're like, man, we want to work with as many agencies as possible to influence how they're affecting themselves and their employees. Yeah. But we're also doing it through um, acquiring and starting new businesses as well. That was going to be my question, Dave, is how are you doing this through Dream Agency Quest? We talk about all these principles as we're talking with our agency owners. So yeah. we set up different cohorts, right? And there, there's there's some cohorts where they're doing 200,000 in revenue to 500,000 in revenue. And then another cohort where they're doing 600 to a million. And so we group them in different um, segments because 
the problems that they experience at 200 to 500 are different than at 500 to a million and different from a million to two and et cetera, et cetera. As you get over the million dollar mark, which is not a tough threshold to get to, once you have some of the things that we talk about in place, then you start to ask different questions. Mm. And some of those questions are, how do I improve the lives of my employees? How do I help them? How do I compensate them to attract better and more uh, capable talent? What are the things that I can be doing to improve their families' lives? And when you get to that spot, what ends up happening, Noah, is you're able to then start to have the conversation of, okay, Dave, what are you doing? And it's like, well, we've done fully paid maternity and paternity leave for all of our people. Wow. Um, we've done bereavement leave for all of our people. Um, we're doing all the other things you traditionally think of, of like medical, dental, 401k, all that's sure, sure, yes, of course. And what if we could live in a space and employ people in a place where it's like, hey, um, if you're giving birth, you get six weeks fully paid time off and you get six weeks uh, no paid time off, but essentially you could also structure it because we put this in the employee handbook this way. You could take half pay for 12 weeks. That changes the conversation. We did the same with uh, parents that don't give birth. We're like, hey, you can do two weeks fully paid or you can do four weeks half paid. And so like when you start to give people relevant options yes. for significant moments in their life, uh, it really, it starts to change, starts to change things. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Dave, one of the things that is like a core of everything that you teach and in your agency journey is, you know, this notion of having an outrageous offer that clients can't refuse. And uh, I listened to the interview you did on uh, Build a Better Agency with Drew McClellan, and I thought it was a brilliant conversation. And having more at-bats, you know, like lead generation in general is something that a lot of agencies struggle with, as you know. I mean, you know, this feast or famine mindset and having more, you know, potential sales opportunities. But um, through your agencies, you've been able to establish a really high close rate. And that's linked to these outrageously good offers that you can make and then deliver on. So tell listeners a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So in my first agency, I would hear objections in a sales conversation and I would get tense. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh no, they've got an objection. What am I going to say? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I really started to flip the script. And this is a, a core teaching of everything that I do know where I just go, what if you thought about it the complete opposite way? That was the brainchild for this years ago. What if I just thought about objections as something that was good. Oh, they've got an objection, that's great. So the way that I term it now is, objections are opportunities. In my first digital ad agency, I had clients that would come to me and they'd say the same thing. Well, David, I would totally go with you if you could guarantee me results. Yeah. And I, my leadership team at the time was like, you can't guarantee results. There's so many other factors, there's so many different things. I said, okay, hang on. Let's ask a better question. Who amongst our clients right now do we get the best results for? And we made a roster. And I said, okay, these are all different industries, but what unifies them? And we came up with a few different things, Noah. It was really, really interesting. So one of the things we recognized was 
they all gave every single, if it was, if it was a, a direct to consumer e-com site, they all gave all of their customers free shipping. They just baked shipping costs into the price of goods. Okay, that's interesting. The second thing was they would each give us a product or products every month that they deeply discounted that we could use as a way to pull new customers in. And then being savvy marketing teams, uh, we would always upsell them on, hey, listen, let us set up some other triggers for you on the back end of Shopify or WooCommerce, whatever they had, so that we can upsell them into these other products. So that drove a higher return on ad spend because they didn't just buy one product, they bought multiple. Um, and so what we started to realize was that's the formula to guarantee a return on ad spend. And so we started to have these, com- hey, we guarantee you a four to one return on ad spend every single year. Uh, we didn't do it by the quarter because that was challenging. We didn't do it by the month because that was challenging. But we said for every dollar you spend, we'll, we'll make you four. And our number of leads went like this and our sales went like this. Um, and what was interesting about that too though, Noah, we would have people come in, they're like, I want the guaranteed return on ad spend. I'm like, great, here's what you have to do to get that if you're doing e-com. And they'd say, I don't want to do that. I'm like, great, we can still work with you. You just want to have a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd say things like, well, damn, what do we, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but the guarantee's so good. I'm like, yeah, I know. So they'd be forced into a conversation with themselves, not with me. They're not in, even in a conversation with me. They're like, do I want the guarantee or not? And what ended up happening would be one of two things. Almost every time they would work with us, but sometimes they'd say, I'm not going to do it. I'll work with you without the guarantee. Cool. Go for it. We're really good at what we do. We'll get you some good results. But a lot of times people would say, I will fundamentally change my business model to get the guarantee. Let's do it. Wow. And then we get generate lots of great results and they'd be like, this is incredible. How are you doing this? I'm like, look, you're doing what our best clients do. And it's just changing the conversation around how you run your e-commerce shop. Yeah. And we would show them data. Like we, we would run these exit polls where people would try and like hop off. We were using Hotjar back in the day. And we could run a little poll just before they click the X button, a customer. And we'd say, hey, why didn't you purchase? And we'd have a list of different reasons. But one of them was always on sites that didn't have free shipping. No free shipping. And it was hilarious, Noah. I mean, down to the tenth of a percent, 48.4% of the time, if the site didn't offer free shipping, they didn't purchase because there wasn't free shipping. Yeah. And I would just, we would go back to clients and say, look, let's say that we only get half of those people to actually make a purchase. Half. I said, these are the people that they didn't have to engage with this poll, but they chose to engage. But let's say that we just got half and we increased your sales by X amount of the respondents. It usually be, you know, several thousand, maybe 10,000 people. I'm like, look, if we got 2,400 extra people, half of the respondents to say yes to purchasing, how much more is that for your average customer cart? And they'd be going, oh my gosh, that's like, you know, $24,000 or $240,000. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So let's do that. And so it's really fun, man. When you create these outrageous offers, it's something that sounds too good to be true, but is actually very profitable for you. We jacked up our prices. 
we brought in better staff to help manage some of these things. So then we saw even way better results than four to one. And we were getting 12 to one, 20 to one. And it's all about finding that, that thing, that lever yeah. where you can go, hey, what's the great outrageous offer? So, you know, one of the things we've done for one of the agencies I own right now, um, like the one-to-one marketing agency, we guarantee a minimum number of meetings. If they don't show up, they don't count. If it's not a good fit, they don't count. When I say not a good fit, as in like, we reached out to somebody and they were looking for, uh, you know, a SaaS product and you're a branding agency. Well, that's crazy. That's not a meeting, yeah. you know? Um, and so it's like, man, if, if I book you a bunch of meetings, let's say I book you 10 meetings this month and they're really qualified, we've talked to them and they know that we're connecting them with you. How many of those could you close? Well, I know that if you're a terrible, terrible closer, you're going to close one out of 10. Yeah. So if I got you... 10 meetings a month for the next 12 months and you got 12 new clients and your average client's worth 50 grand. And so you you just added $600,000 to your top line revenue, but you paid me 50 for the year or 60 for the year. Do you care? And you know what they all go? No, I don't care. Great. So you just got to make things that make sense. And when you do that, you get great results. So uh, that I love that, Dave, and there's so much to unpack there, but what so then the question and i'm sure you get this a lot is what qualifies as an outrageously good offer you got to sell a result you can't just sell like an audit um you can't sell a you, you can't have you know because everyone knows what that means uh, an audit an evaluation that is um that is an offer to pitch me <laughs> right um you know i and and it's uh, i was talking with a guy this this morning who he owns an, an email marketing agency and he's like, well, we do these free email uh, campaign audits. I was like, cool. What's your close rate on those audits? And he goes, uh, well, I don't know. I'll have to go look it up. And I was like, go look it up. So he sent me an email. He goes, we only close 6% of all those. And I said, right, because people come in, they want the audit, they take your information, they go implement it themselves, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, not a good offer. So we talked about a way to structure it so that it could be a good offer, right? Yeah. And so it, it's really saying, okay, if you're going to add value to somebody, what can you do to make sure that you're going to get the conversion? If you're going to do something for free on the front end, or what can you do to make sure that you're doing something that demonstrates or blocks out their biggest objection? Okay. So like for, um, for an agency that I uh, work with, they're a PR firm. They book people on podcasts. Sure. And one of the things that they said to me was, you know, most people don't believe in the value of being a guest on a podcast. Mm. And I said, great. What, what are you doing to help them find that value? And they're like, uh, nothing. And I said, okay, what if you started helping people create great offers? Here's the uh, outrageous offer method. Yeah. <laughs> and what if you started teaching them how to create their own great offers that they can throw out at the end of podcasts? And now they can generate leads from that. Can you coach them into it? So you're not just booking them on a podcast. You're also adding value. And then you say, Hey, listen, we guarantee that you're going to get X amount of leads. If you engage with us for six months from podcasts that you're a guest on. And they were like, yeah, we could totally do that. And I gave them the secret sauce. I said, look, man, I've been on huge podcasts that are getting 50,000 downloads per episode. Yeah. 
And I've been on small podcasts that are getting a couple hundred to a thousand an episode. And I've told them, I was like, my best spots are when I'm in the right fishing hole. Mm, right. So they started to use that. I, when, whenever I'm on the right podcast, like, dude, you heard me on Drew's podcast. Yeah. Noah, I was on Drew's podcast. Drew has a good size following. I don't know how many downloads he has. Since I was on that podcast, we've generated 49 different leads from that one podcast. Yeah. He's not a huge podcaster. I mean, he's got a decent sized audience, sure. but it's not that big. Yeah. But it's the right audience. And I that episode was released last October. Just last week, we got another lead that came through it. Yeah. And so I'm like, guys, this is easy. You set up in the right spot, and then you can guarantee some sort of outcome that's going to be beneficial to the, the clients that you're serving. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, Dave, I, I know we're coming up on time here, and I've so enjoyed our, our conversation today. Um, you know, at the beginning of the episode, we we touched on something, and I know you work with people through this in Dream Agency Quest. You talked about how when you were first scaling your agency, you know, you experienced negative mental health and massive burnout, and that's something that isn't talked about enough in this space. And um, I kind of cut that conversation short and launched into some of the other questions that I had prepared because there's so much that I wanted to cover today. But, you know, how do people how do people get out of that? You know, what what are some tips that you can share with our agency owners tuning in um, that kind of takes them out of that feast or famine mindset? They don't need to be working constantly and uh Ultimately, they're not a W-2 employee in their own businesses. Yeah. First things first, put your phone down, close your laptop, go for a walk. Outside, 30 minutes, go take a walk. Um, there, there are uh, trackable benefits. There are scientifically proven, uh, you know, cross-studied, referenced studies that show that if you go outside and you look at a living plant that's green for three minutes, it reduces your cortisol. If you look at running water, a body of water out in nature, it reduces your cortisol a lot. Mm. Um, so I have a practice, man, where like you have cycles. This is if uh, Andrew Huberman talks about this. So we have REM cycles that last 90 minutes. We also have cycles of work that last 90 minutes. They are on a bell curve where we get really engaged 45 minutes in, we're at our peak engagement, and then it goes down from there. Take a walk. Could be five minutes, could be 10 minutes, could be 30. But first thing that you need to do if you're really experiencing burnout is get outside of your house. Yeah. Uh, go see things. Go walk around. Uh, I highly recommend that you look to one of a couple places to start to question your own thoughts because the thought that I need to hustle my way, I need to work, I have to work is a thought that's worth questioning. So two people that I highly recommend for that. Number one uh, is a woman named Byron Katie and she has a method called the work and it's a series of four questions and then she calls it the turn and or the turnaround. And it's a way to question every thought that you have. This is really important. Uh, it's going to help you. The other person that I'd really recommend is Ryan Holiday, who yeah. loves to write about Stoic philosophers. And the Stoics often talk about questioning your thoughts, asking better questions. I give Marcus Aurelius's uh, journal uh, that we now titled Meditations. 
um, to a lot of staff members. Yeah. It's not a spiritual book. It's a philosophy book. And it talks about how to think. So you're going to need to get to a spot where you can start to do some of those things. And then the real thing that's going to light you on fire is going, okay, what brings me energy? What brings me joy? It's like the Marie Kondo thing. Remember when she was big, uh, like seven years ago or whatever, does this bring me joy or not? Ask yourself what brings you joy. I, I, I know some agency owners. I know some business owners are like, man, I love to have relationships with my clients and customers. Great. That's, but they're like, please don't make me do the work. You know, I have some friends that are like, man, I love to do the sales side. I'm like, great, keep doing that. And then I have other people who are like, I don't want to talk to anyone other than my staff. Cool. You're going to have to hire some people to make that happen. So as you start to do this, getting alone with your thoughts on that walk, you're going to start to realize some of the things that you want and need and desire. And if you can do that, you're going to find yourself getting into a rare space where you really love and enjoy your life. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, David Valentine, I knew that I wanted to have you on this podcast, and I'm so grateful that you took some time out of your busy schedule to spend it with me and the listeners here. Thanks so much for coming on the High Ticket Offer. And uh, yeah, would love to have you back sometime. I would love to. No, it's been fun, man. Thanks so much.